Hello? Can you hear me? Hey, Amanda. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I know you're in Texas. You just went to CPAC, and I want to hear all about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm, like, in the hotel. I just don't want to leave Dallas. Was it fun? Yeah, it was super fun. And I'm, like, trying to move to Texas, so my whole team and I appear to have extended our stay forever. And CPAC is long gone, and we're still, like, wandering around the hotel, putting off getting back to normal life. I mean, everybody's leaving Washington, D.C., I presume. Yeah, I think pretty much... Everyone was smart enough, everybody from the administration and normal people appear to be smart enough to evacuate for their own good and quality of life. And for some reason, I've just been like too busy and haven't been home long enough to figure out how to leave. So I'll probably be the first one to go in the gulag. Um, <laughs> so I'll let you know how that goes. Did you go to the gulag party, by the way? Yes, I did. It was amazing. It was a great party. Everyone who is anyone was there. It was extremely fun. It was in a really good space. And uh, I stood outside smoking and talking to people all night. And, like, didn't even really make it into, like, the second half of the, the venue. But it was super fun. And uh, it was just a really good group. But the funny thing is, is that Dave, whose idea it was, part of the idea I think it was for to have the party... He got stuck in Florida because they had, like, a bomb threat called in to the Fort Lauderdale air, uh, airport or I something. Saw. Yeah, he was, like, live-tweeting from the airport, and the guy couldn't even get to his party. It was, I mean, it's kind of classic, but it's sort of sad. Yeah, especially since he designed all the merch, which looks really cool. I definitely immediately bought a bunch of T-shirts. They're really good. Clearly, they're going to be the look of summer. I'm mm -hmm. all about it. I want to get the beach towel. That's my favorite item. Oh, yeah, the beach towel. I should have got a beach towel. Why didn't I get a beach towel? Maybe we can order them. No, it looked like so much fun. Probably the funnest event outside of CPEC, or including yeah. CPEC, except, yeah, except for seeing Dad. You were there on the Sunday. Yeah, that was great. Uh, that was super fun. Actually, you know what? Nunez spoke, like, I think he was on the last sort of congressional panel right before the president Mm -hmm. So I think that was perfect. You know, Nunez is my, my favorite congressman, so I was very happy to see him. And the crowd really responded, and he's always, like, surprised. Mm -hmm. He's so humble, which is just so rare for a politician. Like, usually politicians walk out on stage sort of anticipating a standing ovation, and he always is, like, a little taken aback when people are just freaking out about him, and, like, <laughs> screaming and everything. And he was just kind of like, whoa, like... Uh, you know, it, it's, it's so cute. And then the president called him out during the speech and, like, recognized him and all of that. It was, it was very cool. It comes across in your movie that he is very humble and he has this quality where he just wants to do the right thing. And that is very important to him. You know, he's a man of integrity. You, you can tell and it transpires in your portrayal of him in the movie. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, and I bug him a lot and his staff about him running for president. Because even though, like, you know, he's... The, the unique thing about him is, and Cernovich said this, is he's not, like, a MAGA guy. He didn't come in... You know how Matt Gates, who's also fantastic and would mm -hmm. be amazing, he's kind of known for having come in into, like, that wave, like, the America First MAGA wave. Mm -hmm. Like, Nunes was this normal, kind of fairly traditional Republican who just did the right thing, who saw what happened 
and didn't go along with it. So it's almost kind of more impressive because he's not doing it. He didn't do what he did for ideological reasons or for like appealing to the base. A lot of people these days, and this is what's driving me nuts, and I think is going to bug a lot of people, is that you've got all these sort of fake MAGA candidate grifter types that are just popping up and they're, you know, I I don't want to discourage it because at the same time, what it means is that at least they're responding to the base. At least they're saying the things, even if they don't mean them, or even if they're not, you know, intellectually there, um, they are at least repeating what the base wants to hear, you know, fine. That's step one. I'm not going to complain too much about that, but it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's somebody like him is so special because, because he's so genuine. Like he really is just like, nope, this is what I believe. And he doesn't, he's not necessarily on every single policy point identical, but he is so, he has so much integrity that I trust him completely. Like he's one of the only politicians that I've ever met in this time that I've been dealing with politics that I'm like, I just believe him and I trust him completely. Like he's just, he's so not looking for you know, and I, like I said, I harass him all the time where I'm like, when are you going to run for president? Yeah. Like, you're the kind of person that I would like to see. Because also, you know, one of the problems we have in the Trump administration, which we talk about all the time, is people knew, you know, you want the outsider to come in. But then the outsider is totally duped by the deep state, if you will, because, you know, the security state and everything else, because they don't know the levers. They don't know who to trust. They don't know the system, you almost need someone like a Nunes who is extremely familiar with the security state and extremely familiar with the lies of the IC and maybe a little bit less flashy and not somebody who's looking for the spotlights. That's kind of the kind of person I want to see in that role. But, you know, from what I can tell, I mean, he's very private and like just trying to do a good job. And, you know, I'm always just like, dude, like when are you running for president? Like, let's do this. (laughs) And as our mutual favorite Darren says, you know, there is no future unless the national security state is brought to heel. And so what you just said makes perfect sense that he would be an ideal candidate since he knows how it functions so well. Yeah. And I mean, I I think that is the number one issue. And it's going to take a minute for the language and for that argument to take hold. And, And you see how quickly Darren's arguments become mainstream because there's truth in them, and so they catch fire like wildfire. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's so influential right now. But even if even though there's obviously plenty of people pushing back on him and, and trying to discredit the arguments, it's it's impossible to defeat them. I mean, he's he's so appealing that uh, I think you know, and I know that from from here. Like we just did CPAC, and a lot of people kind of you know in our movement, they see it as sort of more of like a mainstream, dare I say, establishment gathering, but I think it's important to move the ideas that are important to the base into the mainstream and back and forth. Like, I think that's an important thing that works. It just may take a little bit longer. Like immigration is like considered one of the top issues here. And it took a while for that to happen. But even this year, like the security state issues were not, were not as talked about as they should be. This is just to bounce on that this is one of the reasons why your movie is so important, aside from the fact that it's just so valuable to have an accurate record in that format, in this medium for future reference, for posterity, that we have this snapshot of this time in our history, uh, an accurate one at that. But you really yeah, brought they, to the like forefront to... 
that issue. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, that's, that's why, you know, I appreciate that people recognize that because that's really the reason we did it because obviously the mainstream press wasn't going to spend enough time correcting the record and saying, you know, all 65 of the people interviewed under oath said they had no evidence of Russian collusion. There has not been enough of a noise about that. And they would have just continued to brush everything under the rug and rewrite history. I mean, you can tell that the powers that be are so obsessed with rewriting history that Mm -hmm. having, you know, articles come and go and they're really important, but that's why things like books and films that are harder to move on from and harder to erase and to manipulate are so important. And I I agree. I mean, we basically were like, you know, however successful this movie is, it's going to be a time capsule. And that's what really matters. And you managed to do that completely. And I, I have to tell the audience, you know, I had no idea who had made the movie, but I watched it like three times an hour already. And I just thought it was so brilliant. And then I met a couple of mutual, you know, uh, friends in the meantime, since I came out publicly. And you're actually the first person that I officially asked to join me for a call when I first thought of uh, doing the podcast. I mean, apart from some people that are friends of mine, but the first cold ask for the podcast was you, actually, when we first started DMing each other. That's so awesome. I think that's perfect. I love it. Like, that's so cool. I'm so glad that you liked it. I mean, I think uh, it's so nice because it, like, lives outside of yourself like a movie you know like you said like you didn't know who made it it's like doesn't it's nice to have like a thing that's not me you know who cares what I say like the fact that this thing exists that can speak for itself is so the whole reason you make movies is to have them go like stand on their own and make their argument it's um it's really fulfilling yeah but as the as the director you really brought it to life in a way that could explain something that was quite complex to everybody. And I'm sure your experience living this up close, you know, being in the administration was so, I mean, it was key to, to making the movie the way you did. Yeah, I mean, I, I sometimes, I, I think that's true. And I think when you step back from like a period of time in your life, like, you know how like every part of your life is like a chapter. I find myself kind of asking, you know, well, why did I leave everything and go work in politics when that made absolutely no sense for what I was doing at the time when I was working in the film industry. But you sort of, you know, it's almost like a God thing where you're like, why did I need to do all this? And I I think, you know, I I did some good work in government. Like it was fine. You know, I caused a lot of trouble and stuff, but it wasn't anything on the scale of, of, you know, because I'm like asking, I'm like, okay, so what's like God's plan here? Like, what was the mission? Like, what what exactly did I accomplish? Like, I bothered some bureaucrats and I, I changed some video. I, you know, I did some communications successes and da, da, da. But I'm like, that's like not that big of a deal. But I really think so. The plan was that I think I, I would not have been able to understand the crimes that occur in D.C. and the levers and the landscape, I think I was meant to work in government just to learn it enough to be able to communicate what's wrong to the rest of America. And I don't want to, I'm not saying that to be like, oh, I'm the great communicator that's going to like tell everybody what's going on. That's, there's a lot of people way smarter well, than me that are doing the, that. The movie proves it. <laughs> Sorry. But there's, yeah. yeah, there's an element to it of like the visual storytelling mm-hmm. that I think There's not a lot of people that do that on the right. So I feel very fortunate that I have that. I I think, I feel like I found kind of my role, which is, which is cool. I I completely agree. There is a God element to all of this. And 
we are living in such incredible times. And I really do feel this and I share this, you know, on my social media and, and different platforms when I when I write. Everybody has a role to play in this war because what we are living through is a war, even though we are, you know, very comfortable with heating or hot water, internet access, and it's not the same type of warfare. No, absolutely. We're in a spiritual war. And I yes. know I you know, people say that and it kind of is like a right-wing sort of MAGA bumper sticker, like we're in a spiritual war, you know? Absolutely. But it is actually really true because you have to have a real sense of faith to keep your head in all of this because otherwise, I mean, for me, it's like people at the screenings or at Q&As or just in general, like they when they want to ask people questions about sort of the crimes that occurred and why there's been no um, accountability and no justice, you see that stuff and it's like, really hard to find the sort of light in the whole thing and and you're like well our country is really really screwed like really 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 screwed mm -hmm. and things are really dark so in order to even just keep actually going and and keep having small victories you have to know you have to have a very strong sense of faith that there's there is a spiritual security in this that there's like a there's a purpose because otherwise you look at the facts on the ground and things are just so abysmally bad. And I mean, this is, this is one of the reasons why I kind of, I get kind of rough with people online about a lot of these um, sort of theories of everything's going to be fine. You know, someone is working behind the scenes and things are, are going to, are going to work out. I think, you know, who knows what's actually going on, but in, in all kinds of senses, but I feel like, I think knowing that you have to, we all have to do it for ourselves. Yes. Like you say, there's a role for everybody to play. Yes. And I think there's a misconception with some of these people you mentioned. It's, there may be, there may be some things going on behind the scenes, but one is not mutually exclusive of, of another. And we are really called, as you say, each and every one of us to play a part in moving things forward and taking the country and bringing it back to the people as intended by the founding fathers. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Even when I was speaking at CPAC two days ago, I think one of the things I said is I was like, one thing we do is like, we even have on the right, like minor belief system differences. We sort of categorize ourselves differently. And I think that's one thing we've got to get over is that we've got to just understand that like everybody's on the same side and that goes back to a faith thing, too, where you're like, you just have to trust that, like, everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, uh, yeah, that's one thing that would really help make us a lot stronger. I mean, it's it's really weird how that kind of happens on the right, because like, there's a lot of, like, you know, there's a Squabbling. lot of like, nitpicking and, like, you know, all this stuff. And it's it's unfortunate because... It's also, a, it's also a symptom of the pressure that I think people are under because, there's, you know, people's livelihoods are built, even if they're on the right and they're sort of dissidents, if people get canceled for stepping over the line, their livelihoods are at stake, especially some of the people that have built it. I mean, frankly, you and I are in similar positions, and so are a lot of our friends, of, like, putting our opinions out there. It's part of our thing. And and so it's weird because I'm I'm like more I I started out less dependent on that and and I was very private and I had none no you know need for any of that but you can really see the complexity in it because I think it's one of the things that makes the 
right squabble with each other because they don't want to be seen as as fringe as the other guy. And it's like the it's the gulag mentality. It's the gulag pressure where they're like, you know, I you know, I'm not like that person. They're fringe. Like I I'm not that fringe. Like don't cancel me. And and in a, in but a that, hin- nicer, that hinders the progress. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it also helps us not work together and accomplish things and amplify each other perfectly. And, you know, uh, this person can't retweet that because they might get canceled. And it's just, it's so, it's such an impediment to actually getting things done. Me, I'm just, you know, America first all the way. And I, yeah. I connect with the America first crowd. And, and it's funny because you're living it from the inside i'm over here in switzerland you know in my little bunker (laughs) observing from the outside and so i'm not really in between all these squabbles sort of does that make any sense yeah but it's been i'm going to tell you that it's really beneficial that you are literally in switzerland uh i hope you have a bunker because i personally want to reserve like guest room rights as soon as things (laughs) you're always welcome to come in my bunker Uh, but i have to tell you i'm dying to go to the states as soon as i can i know i know somebody's got to be on the outside though or else when they put us all in the gulag like there'll be no one to like lobby amnesty international to like come give us breadcrumbs or whatever oh yeah but i'm in the worst place to do this i mean the switzerland is global oh, yeah, it's right. central it's true it's true you'll yeah, have we... to lobby like the uh the ccp to um to come you know build us a tunnel yeah we need to ask darren for some advice a contingent <laughs> a contingency plan outside of the globalist american empire and their satellites yeah exactly uh, it's so amazing. I still can't get over how, like, good... I, I mean, so people understand that, like, Darren's very, like, groundbreaking in his interpretations of current events and, like, seeing through narratives and all of that, but I still appreciate more than anything the fact that he so precisely trolls the, uh, the foreign policy elite in the United States. Like, I always say this, but, like, the fact that he's, like, able to see the humor of Nord Stream 2 is, like so specific and amazing that I just have to applaud it. No, and also his takedown of, quote, journalists and pseudo-intellectuals. Oh, yeah, with the feet washing? With the feet washing. This guy needs to be washing my feet. It sounds like, I mean, it's like, I appreciate it because I'm like, I'm mad I didn't come up with it first. (laughs) I borrowed it. I borrowed it when Keith Olbermann came. Oh, you saw it? Yeah, yeah, I said he came after me and Cassandra Fairbanks, who's like yeah. such a rock star, and I borrowed Darren's joke, and I said, as Darren Beatty would say, you know, grab the soap and you should be washing, scrubbing both mine and Cassandra's feet. <laughs> That's so awesome. No, I mean, uh, Cassandra's been doing amazing work for a long time, and one of the things people, you know, that I noticed, I guess, in the last year or something, I mean, she's a really hardworking journalist. Yes. Like, a lot of these journalists on the right, like, I love our people, like, la, la, la. Like, you'll, you know, give them stories, or you'll be like, hey, here's, like, a really important thread. This is a massive story. Like, I'm not a journalist, right? Like, I'm a filmmaker and just, like, somebody that just kind of finds things out. But I'm not, I'm not, try- I don't write, like, on purpose. Like, my whole time in State Department, I did not author a single memo except for one that somebody put my name on because I had to be on a memo for some reason, and it was actually a disaster. But, like, my whole MO is I don't write anything. And so you, like, give these journalists who are supposedly on our side and are all riled up, like, a thread or a piece of 
information or something to follow up and, and half of the time it just sort of like dissipates. You've got to like do the entire thing for them. And I mean, I will say Cassandra and people at Gateway Pundit mm. and obviously like the ones that are popping out now, certainly, you know, obviously Revolver is mm. just like next level. But some of these more, I don't want to say fringe, but like less Republican mainstream funded outlets, they're really hardworking. I mean, Cassandra will write like 10 articles in two days and completely discover a story and completely get the whole thing out. And during the election, I mean, people haven't really paid attention, or I don't know, I don't hear it talked about as much, but, you know, Gateway Pundit was getting insane numbers. Yes. First. Like, they were, because they were the ones that were willing to, to, to write about election fraud and to write about all of the details that were coming out. People still haven't even uncovered and told the stories of what happened to the press during the election fraud thing. Yes, we all know we're not allowed to say the words election fraud and all of that, but very weird things were also happening behind the scenes. I mean, when I went out to Nevada... And the day after the election and started working with the team there to do the fight for the next month, part of my job at that point was to get information and proof and all of this stuff to various outlets and to get the story out there. And it went great for like the first three days. I had, I was churning like a machine. Like I had, I had top stories on all the biggest television shows and all the biggest outlets, whatever, and our, our story was getting out there. People were learning about this fraud that was coming in and our evidence of it that was coming in the door. And then something happened about a week into it. It was it was not even... It, it, part of it was when Dominion sent the uh, yes. records retention letters. Yep. That's something they sent not just to left-wing press, but to every right-wing outlet from Newsmax all the way to Fox, obviously all the way up and down, and it had a massive effect, and it's one of the first times in, in American – I mean, it, it's just one of the most obvious, uh, blatant examples that I've seen where there was absolutely no fight to remain a free press. It was not even a lawsuit. They, they shut down the, Ameri the entire press with records retention letters, which you can send to people just to mess with them. Like, I, I, I certainly, obviously, legally saying here, I do not do that, but um, – like anybody who knows who, who's an attorney would tell you that like that's that doesn't even matter. That's not even a lawsuit. It's nothing. It's just like a, a a poke. It's like and that that literally shut down everything. You know, all of December. I mean, for anyone who had any doubts as to how compromised the media and the press and you know big tech are, you just have to look at what happened around the November third election. Yes, and again, we knew that. You know, like. Those of us, yourself, the folks that are like even just following along at home, everybody knew the press was awful in that way, but you knew it in a sense that they had bias. I just couldn't believe that, you know, they, they got to the power behind the press, even our side of the press, which is the money side. The lawyers got involved. The, the people that, that do advertising and keep the lights on at places that we otherwise trust, they were gotten to really fast. And that was really scary. It was the natural progression from the Russia hoax and yeah. everything that transpired with that. And the thread, what is the, the name of the Twitter account that made this incredible thread that President yes. Trump mentioned uh, and Tucker dedicated a segment to the other day? 
It was amazing. Yes, what's his face? Uh, the poor guy is probably referred to as what's his face all over the place because <laughs> martyrs, martyrs, yeah, something. Amazing, amazingly well put. I thought it was. I was retweeting it early on because I was like, oh wow, like I, I, I mean, I'm so um, self obsessed that I see really well done summaries of RussiaGate, and I'm like, huh, this is someone who's clearly watched the film. <laughs> um, but um, no, I, it, it's, it's, I'm sort of half kidding. But he really nailed it. It was very, it was very good. If that had like come out before the movie, I would have been like, "This is a okay. perfect outline. This, like, is, this is this is what we need to copy. This is great." This is not you saying it. This is me saying it. I I think you're right. I think he has seen the movie. Otherwise, he <laughs> wouldn't have been able to produce such an incredible thread. Oh God, yes, it's all me. It's you know, you're welcome, world. Um, no, but it was it was really amazing. And here's what's amazing about Tucker. Tucker is such a genius, and the people that work with him are such geniuses that it takes somebody really thinking out of the box to be like, I'm going to read a tweet thread on my number one news program in America tonight because this is the most important thing that was said today. I mean, the thing about Tucker is he's really incredible at just absolutely identifying the most important issue of the day and having no attachment to, well, you know, does a news host really need, is that really what we do on, on primetime news is read a tweet thread? Like, there's a lot of, you, Hannity would never do that. No. I, Laura Ingram's not going to do that. None of these other people would even, even. I mean, that's why I like appreciating about him, the little things where it's like, just the, the, the out-of-the-box thinking and the bravery to be like, no, I'm going to read, this is so good that I'm going to read this on my number one news show tonight. And, and then the other decision, like earlier that week was, or that the week before, which is I'm being held over a barrel by the NSA yeah. for blackmail, uh, essentially. I mean, that's what the intelligence community does, is basically blackmail people in positions of power and everyday citizens to so that, you know, they remain the actual power of the United States. But uh, but for him to be like, you know what, you know, I, I report the news, but guess what? The news today is this is what they're doing to me. It's He's such an amazing fighter. He's so important. I, I don't think there's been someone as culturally and politically significant really since Andrew Breitbart, you know, who, who began so many people's careers and who basically gave conservatives a new way to think, or just at least patriotic Americans, or, you know, I don't even want to use the word conservatives, but gave people a new way to think. And the fighting um, spirit. The happy warrior, the fighting spirit. Yeah. But just say that you could challenge the premise, right? And that's what he would always do when, when Breitbart would get in these ridiculous arguments with leftists, you know, everybody else was fighting on their level. And he was like, I don't accept the premise. You have to, you know, challenge these people. When they said the best thing, when he heard the story of how they were claiming that the Tea Party was saying racist slurs on the Capitol steps. And he was like, prove it. I'll offer $100,000 to anybody who can show me video of it. I mean, we need to remember that stuff. We've got to remember the lessons that he taught us because he saw the future. I mean, his book, uh, Righteous Indignation, is on my bookshelf, and I revisit it very often. He's a great source got, of inspiration. Yeah, I've got, thir- I've got like, at any one time, I have like 10 copies, oh, yeah. because it's like the Red Pill Bible. Anytime I meet like a young creative or somebody who we worked with on the movie, or like, you know, we hired a a lighting guy or something that's sort of on the fence, mm-hmm. I always give it to them because it's it's totally the map. It's such an important book. Agreed. Uh, so everyone who's listening who hasn't read it yet, pick up a copy ASAP. Absolutely. And watch his old videos. That's why it was really important. I mean, the thing about 
these characters like Tucker, like Trump, like him, is the charisma. The people that threaten the establishment and the, the globalist empire or whatever is it's never really like just like the academics and the people with the good ideas and the people that are writing good articles or whatever. It's these people that are amazing on camera because again, it goes back to like why I ever did movies in the first place is there's something immediate to it. And it's like universal. It's so powerful. These charismatic people that believe in what they're saying, it, it's so much more convincing than, you know, even just really well-done arguments. I mean, sometimes well-articulated arguments, even, it it really doesn't, like, it doesn't, it clearly doesn't work universally or else there would be no point in having ideological arguments in the United States because we would already have won. Um, No, it's the projected strength and, um, to come back to, to the term, but really the fighting spirit that transpires and inspires others to stand up and this is exactly what we need at the moment you know and this is why i'm so encouraged and coming back to what we were saying earlier that even though the times seem really dark i haven't had a single day since november 3rd where i wavered in either my faith or my optimism because more and more people are waking up you see it with all these parents that are standing up against the masks against you know the the poison the garbage that is being taught in schools and and just all around you know people presenting themselves to run for office or locally on different boards etc and this is this is what we need right now this is the fighting spirit that needs to be applied that has been ignited first of all thanks to president trump he really burned this whole thing across the nation and now people realize well i need to get involved and people are trying in their own lives to see what it is they can do to help take back the country and i'm extremely encouraged by that and you know it, it's you with your incredible directorial skills and your experience and your eye to translate this and as you said one of the most important mediums that we have or you know the parent that goes to the board meeting and just shames all these people and what they're trying to do to their kids yeah no it's really encouraging it is it's happening more and more and i mean it's again it's one of the reasons why like you know, like I said, we've got the splintering in the movement and there's there's some people that, you know, big events like the one I'm just at, which I go back to, is like, you know, doing CPAC and speaking to big groups of people and stuff. It's important because you have to expose as many normal people as possible to what's going on in every kind of medium, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not worth squabbling with one another over like, what's the perfect gathering of people or whatever it's like it's it's just we've got to just get it done and I mean I have this amazing moment it was interesting you know I I I have had a really wonderful thing which is people really respond really well to the film they're like oh plot against the president like explained everything and da 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 and it's that's really amazing I mean that's why you make it but I had this um crazy experience at the not the gulag party. I think it was at the Project Veritas party. There was a lot of good parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that uh-huh. sounded fun, too. It was really fun. Uh, those guys are always fantastic. Yeah. Um, but this young girl came up to me, and she's just beautiful, super cute, confident, great. And she's like, you know, on November 3rd, I saw Plot Against the President, and or I watched it the day after the election or something like that, or the day before, and she's like, the next day, like, I told my parents, like, I'm going to move to D.C., like, we have to do something, and I went to, like, the rally, and I did this, and then now 
she's literally living in D.C. and is working in Republican politics, and I won't say where because I, I don't. She probably doesn't want me like talking about her or whatever. But um, it's really amazing, and I've like that I've never heard before. Where she was like, I was completely apolitical. I didn't. I was just doing girl stuff. I wasn't doing politics, and I'm like, she could be a total powerhouse. I mean, she's very young, she's inspired, and she's, you know, she could she could do all kinds of things. And there's been a, a couple of people like this that have sort of come in, and it's really exciting, and that one really got to me, because I was like, you know, I, at the end of the day, that's why you do it. Because you yes. even when, like, it was successful, there were so many miserable times with it, uh, just based on the on the timeline and, and trying to get it done, that, I mean, my partners will tell you that... There were times where I was like, I like locked myself in the the room and was like texting my partners back in DC and they were like, Hey, how's it going? Like with the edit or whatever. And I was like, Oh, it's fine. I'm just questioning why I ever wanted to do this. And like, why did I ever agree to do this? I had a nice government job. Like everything was fine. Why did I do this? Like, this is going to be a disaster. Like someone's going to sue me and, and we won't make any money. And James Comey's going to kill me or something. You know what I mean? Like, you're just, like, like freaking out, like, in general. And everyone's getting paranoid. The editor thinks that there's, like, people listening on the phone. And, like, it's just, like, it gets kind of dark. And then you're, like, you, you get through it, and there's, like, this great thing. And this girl's, like, oh, I saw your movie, and, like, now I'm going to work in politics. I'm just, like, that is awesome. That's totally why. That's, that's the thing I want. Like, I don't care about any of the other stuff. Like, that's what I want. No, and I think we're millions, myself included, who are incredibly thankful that you did go through it and did make that movie and as you said it's it's a time capsule and it will stand the test of time we need it yeah. it's a we needed that movie to be made and you yeah, did I, I i i'm really happy about that because i really think they would try to lie about it they can't lie about it now because even though it's like a dumb argument thing i see it online all the time when i you know i can see the mentions on the movie account And there's like all these people just in wherever and they're getting in arguments online with their friends. And when they argue about Russiagate or, or the fake news or information operations or the security state and they get fed up in the argument with whoever they're talking to, they're just like, watch this movie. Yeah. And it, it I just that's I'm so th again, I, I just I'm so thankful that 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 it worked. Now, it was an incredibly patriotic thing that you did by making this movie, and I recommended everybody get Andrew Breitbart's book, but obviously I recommend everybody that's listening <laughs> to download the plot against the president straight away. And it's just yes. so relevant, coming back on the thing with Tucker, it explains so much of what is going on right now and the rapid progression of this takeover of the national security apparatus and general flynn you know the central figure of of the movie as well with the president you know he told us he told us listen i'm fighting and i'm going to go till the very end because if they can do this to me it means that they can do this to everyone and this is exactly what we're seeing play out with one six and the, the fake insurrection hoax and how they're totally. targeting and persecuting anyone who dares stand up to the regime No, and we're all Michael Flynn now. I mean, it's yes. we're all being listened to, tracked. Everything we've ever done is going to be misinterpreted and presented in, in this completely insane narrative. And right, the, the one six defendants are the beginning. I mean, they began that operation before we were even out of power. 
So imagine what they're going to be up to, you know, a year into the administration when they've got all of their positions filled and they're really rolling. I mean, we have seen nothing. Like, they're just staffing up. They're not even in a hurry. Actually, something happened out here that was interesting on that front, which was a friend of mine in the administration, like one of my best friends, did amazing work. You know, I'm like, again, I'm a, I'm a comms person. Like, there's only so much trouble I can cause, amazingly. But, you know, some of my very good friends in the administration were attorneys and policy writers and people that could really, really do some, some good work and really get to the bottom of some issues. And uh, there, this one that I won't, I won't speak about it exactly, but I'll, I'll definitely be revisiting it soon publicly. Um, there's this one issue with this one agency that the careers are just gearing up to go after the people who basically barely impeded their criminal efforts for a brief period of time. And we haven't even begun to see it. I think that this is a really weird moment in time. You know what, we're like six months basically into this thing. I think everyone had a little bit of a fog of war kind of shock after the stolen election and then won six and all this just, you know, everyone's head was spinning on both sides. The bad guys are just suddenly realizing how much power they have and it's going to get really, really nasty. But the only good thing about this is there was this other weird moment here where I was talking to some people in the parking lot while I was smoking, which is how I spend most of my time. Um, and, uh, and I had this realization where I was like, gosh, I haven't even begun to even try to get revenge. And I was like, on like so many things within the government that I saw and so many people who on, on all sides that, you know, it's not about wronging me personally. Like, I don't care. I mean, that, I don't even couldn't even keep a list that long, but of things that were that I witnessed that weren't maybe as massive as Russiagate, but were certainly as on the, on, looked at as a whole very damaging to the United States. I mean, we yes. all saw stuff that was just really out of... And nobody, you know, everyone's been dealing with the big narratives and, like, the big moments. And I'm like, they're going to start fighting really nasty, but you know what? Like, so am I. And I'm like, I have a long list to go through, and I've now got ideas. And I'm like, it's like everyone's just suddenly kind of landed on their feet. I feel like things are going to get really interesting for the rest of the year, and in, in good ways and bad ways. No, I agree. And from the outside looking in, it really feels like they were taken aback the past four years. They couldn't believe that Hillary Clinton lost. And so they have to kind of make up for lost time to implement, you know, the final stages of their new world order slash subversion takeover of the United States. And their plans were thwarted. People woke up. So many people are awake to what they're doing. And we see the incredibly sloppy implementation of such draconian and authoritarian measures. And people are just not... The more they do that, more people are waking up. And so... It is getting worse, but at the same time, the worse it gets, the more people wake up and the more people will stand up and fight to counter this. No, you're totally right. I mean, you nailed it. What you said is absolutely the perfect phrasing of it, that they are rushing their, a, a timeline. They, they wanted to accomplish all of this over the course of eight years, right? Mm -hmm. eight, like two, another, another, I got Hillary admin and, and a Democrat one, maybe two, maybe she'd have two terms, who knows what they were thinking. 
but that they had to, they lost, yes, they lost time. And so this COVID thing and every, every, everything that's happening, the authoritarian takeover got turned up to 11 and they are very good at the frog boiling in hot water thing. Like the water gets slightly warmer. Yeah. And it's interesting, the, the, the rushing to do all of this where they're just like, screw it. The next time we're in any kind of power at all, just like flip it on, you know, we're going full, <laughs> we're going full, uh, Steam uh ahead. Stasi. On everything, yeah, and um, and it really has. They've done it too much. I mean, they it's too jarring to people. It actually did wake a lot of people up, and that's all we can hope is that they didn't put their foot on the gas because they were like, well, it doesn't matter if we wake a lot of people up, and we we jar the system because we're so powerful that we know that nothing can stop us. So it doesn't matter what public opinion is, and we can just floor it, and it's mm. fine. No, it's well, desperation. It's a desperation. Yes, that's the that that's the best case is that it was, as you say, it's sloppy, that the sloppiness is why it's so bold and why it's so, it's just so aggressive. I mean, this stuff now, I mean, the last few days with the, I mean, um, even one six thing, I mean, thank God, because it means, you know, that it wasn't as serious as it could have been, but even one six was really sloppy. Totally. It was crazy. It was like, I mean, I just bananas sloppy. Yeah. You, you can literally see people changing clothes in the bushes, and <laughs> and that, and then some of the videos of the that weird guy that was like telling people the night before, like we've got to go into the Capitol, and oh, everyone starts, yeah, boomer fed, boomer fed, like boomer fed. I mean, what an amazing thing! And it's like because you know you see the beauty of of previous operations. You know, I, I think the thing that red-pilled me the most, and it wasn't in a political direction, right? Because when I started getting into some of the alternative ways of looking at traditionally held American narratives, like Oklahoma City, Waco, those were the things that really woke me up because I had access to that stuff because of my dad. And he's always got wacky military friends coming over and showing him new guns or, like, giving him illegal weapons or whatever. And they also happen to have a lot of cool videos and you know, he was friends with the documentary director that did Rules of Engagement, which is this fantastic documentary about Waco, which I encourage everyone to see. After they watch Plot Against the President. Yes, after they watch Plot Against the President by Andrew Breitbart's book and Lee Smith's book, Plot Against the President, of which course. is based on... Um, yeah. Um, you know, that's one of the most wonderful things is that in the beginning I was getting pulled onto television and stuff as like this Russiagate expert. And I sort of wanted to like pull people aside and be like, you understand how movies are made, right? Like, I don't actually have to know anything. Like, I just create a thing that features people that know things. Um, but it's uh, luckily worked out. But um, but yes, so the, the Waco thing and all of that stuff and, and Oklahoma and everything, you look back and you see the artistry of various debatable operations and catastrophes and policy changing tragedy the artistry of the setup yeah the artistry of the narrative around it and all of that and i mean some of them you look back and you're like oh my god it's such an op that you can't even believe they even tried to get away with it like that you know like the iraq war and, and stuff where the, the the messaging was so sloppy where they're just like oh yeah and then there's like there were babies that were in the incubators, and there's weapons of mass that destruction. Was so you know, bad. That was by the so way, bad. we're going to go to this other country and do this war, and then also Afghanistan, and like the, and like, you know, and that was just insane. But that, but you know, all of that was in the the shadow of 9/11, obviously, which is their ultimate favorite cloud of policy uh, opportunity. And um, but but when you look at all that stuff, it's like now you look at one six, and you look at some of the stuff that goes on these days, and you're just like. 
God, they really don't write them like they used to. Like, it's like watching like bad movies. It's like movies were so much better in the past. It's like so were the operations. Like now they're just really sloppy and like they don't even have good characters. Like Timothy McVeigh was like such a good character, and then now you've got like you know I see it all like um like the movies obviously. Like I, and I that sounds cheesy and like really on the nose, but. I kind of can't help it. It's just like, no, it, it of seems it's... so you, you've got to almost like take a step back and laugh and look at it that way. Cause it's, it's so absurd and dark yeah. that otherwise you would just go insane. Yeah. No humor definitely helps in these dark times. However, we can, we can get it, but listen, Amanda, we've been going for, it's my calls are usually 30 minutes and I feel I could go on for like <laughs> another good hour. I know we even we haven't even started gossiping yet. I know we'll have to keep that for another call. I hope you'll be a repeat guest. I really want to have you more often, and I really want to meet you in person when I come yes. to the U.S. You have to be one of the first people I meet. Yes, I will meet you at the airport. We will have a big thing. It will be really fun. I think that we are going to have a great time when you come out here, um, and all the things that we might do. And Especially I'm so grateful shooting. that you're doing this. Yes, we're going to go shooting. Yeah. My dad is going to fall in love with you, which is going to be weird. And it'll be great. It's going to be so great. We'll have a great time in California. We can go, like, run around. And hopefully I will have moved from D.C. by then, or else you're going to have to come pull me out of the, um, you know, whatever cage they've built to hold the rest of the Trump administration. I'll in. come save you uh, guys however I can yeah, with my little spaghetti like a, arms. Bring a nail file or something. Um But I'm just so grateful that you're doing this and you're such a wonderful, fun, cool new voice. And I was like so excited when you came out on the scene. And, you know, I know we have to get off, but the last thing I'll say is, you know, talk about a funny, like if you look at life and like this whole political movement thing as like a, a movie or a TV show that's been written by someone with a great sense of humor, mm-hmm. I really have to say that like the moment that everyone goes, Did you guys know that, like, Bin Laden's niece is, like, incredibly based? And is, like, <laughs> most MAGA, pro-America, like, beautiful, like, edgy, intelligent uh, person on this. And you're like, that's an amazing plot twist. Like, where you're like, okay, and so then in season 10, <laughs> we're gonna have the guy's niece come back into the public forefront, but she's gonna be, like, this, like amazing like MAGA angel and like that's the new part you know season 10 is going to get really weird and like you know I, it's just like that's how I see it and there's like it's like this Larry David quality that's just really exciting for me and I love it and so I'm such a big fan and I love your show and I wish it lots of success thank you so much you're making me blush and now I want to continue <laughs> talking with you about Larry David <laughs> okay, that'll be episode two. Okay, episode two. We'll talk about Larry David and Seinfeld and all these references. Yes, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, Amanda. You're really the best. Thank you. You too. I'll talk to you soon. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.